You're listening to the Grossed Out Podcast with Rob Gross. It's me. I'm Rob Gross. Welcome to the Grossed Out Podcast. I am your host, Rob Gross. Very, very excited today to welcome a longtime friend, co-worker, not co-worker, all-around badass to the show, Zena Coda. Zena, by the way, she wrote this, so I'm going to read this to the best of my abilities. So, Don't put this off the oh, right yeah. oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Sorry, somebody else wrote this, not Zena. Zena is a loudmouth asshole from New Jersey. It's a running theme. A lot of New Jersey folks on my podcast who predictably- you love us. I love you, sir. Hey, I live there. I love it. Who predictably, li- uh, predictably lives for classic rock and hip-hop. Zena has worn many hats in the music world. Front woman of a band, national metal DJ, video host, podcast producer and urban record executive these days she loves her political debate the creative equity group she co-founded the asian american collective and being the brand digital mastermind at the north face she also hosts her podcast ladyish and enjoys small mouthy dogs Zena coda welcome to the grossed out podcast what up rob <laughs> it's not like we haven't been talking for the past half hour <laughs> I know, I know. We've been for a good like 30 minutes and now we're finally getting to business mm-hmm. you know what i mean i'm just super excited sorry taking a a break from whiskey for for a day and switching oh to... Oh my god, Jack made me a margarita for this very occasion as well. Uh, how nice of him. Yeah, I just uh, I got a little bit of rum on the rocks. There's this rum I really like that my wife's all about, so it's really good, but it's like, yeah, so I'm making a whole bunch of mouth noise over here. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm super excited to do this because you're one of my favorite people ever, and I love to just you know, talk, talk shit with you, talk music with you. And, you know, as we've grown, oh, I don't want to say older, but we are growing older. It's, it's, <laughs> we are growing we older. Are, it's just, it's, I'm sitting here with a bad back on pain pills. So trust me, we're definitely <laughs> growing older. Um, it's just really cool to be able to talk to somebody like you that's been through it all, come out the other side, you know, like you've seen the other side, you've seen, like you've done all, it's so rare to find people that aren't, like um, they don't have blinders on in what we do. So it's very cool to talk to you about anything, let alone the band we're talking about today, the motherfucking Deftones. Oh yeah, no. And I also put you on blast because I was like, how are you going to have your first Filipino be Chris <laughs> and not me I mean Chris is my guy and all but still you know like and he knows it I put him on blast right now Chris, <laughs> no. Chris you know the vibes <laughs> oh it's it's all love but yes I, I, I fucked up tremendously and now what I'm starting to see is that I'm having like not that there's a limited amount of bands but I'm, there's certainly a limited amount of bands that people want to talk about at length and so the ones that have come to the table more than anything have been the Red Hot Chili Peppers, which is, I mean, wow. and, and Nine Inch Nails. So I'm, oh, and the Beatles as well, which I, I recorded. It's the last episode, which will be live by the time this goes live. So it's like, I'm so happy you jumped at the Deftones because like two other people did after you. And I'm like, nah, not happening. We got to get Sick, to it. Yeah. I mean, come on. I'm like, I'm a Deftones stan. Like, you, you are. To understand, you know. We both are for <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm like, I was that, I was that kid that bought every fucking side project that like went back and retraced the roots in Sacramento, like, like Will Haven and Far and 
all that shit too. So I am right there with you. I'm ready for it. All right. So um, I always like I'm always so curious how you came upon a band. So how did you come up? To, how did the Deftones enter your life? Oh my god, God, I feel like such a 15 year old right now. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, obviously, like I grew up in New Jersey, and you know, one thing I would say that's unique to New Jersey, and why I really did gravitate towards a band like the Deftones is like, I don't know, like. I'm not white. <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's pretty evident. But also it's like, you know, if you aren't white and enjoy rock music, right, you definitely are going to be piqued by a band that is compromised, of, like comprised, sorry, comp- comprised, yeah. I can't speak, it's the end of the day, um, you know, of just like so many members that are minorities, right? Right, right, right. And there was always something to me, even at, you know, a young age of like 14 years old, 15 years old, of listening to the Deftones and like as a musician, as like a vocalist, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing like this is a fucking different kind of vocal for rock music. Totally. And it just was like this cure slash like emotive mix with the screams that I obviously was into and in the you know, you're not seeing like my fucking metal horns right now, but like the <laughs> metal days like right. talking about Asbury Park for like the convention center shows. Oh, you know, hell like, yeah. You know all about <laughs> oh, that shit. The Howard Johnson's right there. Echo, oh yeah. yeah, like dropping ecstasy at fifteen. Like, yeah, dude, love this so much. But um but yeah, like there was just something about the sound to me as like a kid who loved hip hop and just loved like the fucking drum pattern, oh, everything about it. When I first heard the Deftones, you know, I listened to Adrenaline. I was like, my God, like, this is just like raw. It's everything I've been thinking. Growing up listening to hip hop, mostly, honestly, because I grew up in the hood, I was like, man, this is just like everything vocally and like spiritually I'm feeling right now. So also like rectifying the fact that they were like of like ethnic descent just yeah. totally fucking sold the deal for me. And like, I was in love right away, right? Like, you know, you hear the fucking opening record on board. Remember when you used to listen to records like from top to bottom, dude? Like, I, I still do. That's how I know. <laughs> like that. That's just like I, I. It's so funny because like I when I get my release radar every Thursday night on Spotify, like an addict, I um or my Apple music playlist is that even though if, I, if there's like seven or eight songs that have listed on there that like, Oh shit, I could listen to these on my own. Literally the customized playlist by the algorithm that the fucking platform makes for me personally, I still go in, download every record so I could listen to the record. I won't listen to it on the release radar playlist. So yes, wow. I am still, it's archaic. I don't give a fuck. I let, that's how, I still consume, but yeah, I no I, single driven no single driven market for Rob Gross. That's right. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. The waterfall has been the greatest thing ever because, like, you can see the record being built in front of your eyes. I'm like, now, yes, it's all coming back. <laughs> we know too much about the industry. That's the that's the fucked part. But I yeah, know. Like, honestly, like listening to that band, I it was the first time I listened to a rock band. Um, you know, have, having grown up on a lot of R and B and hip hop, and just thinking like, wow. I fucking love this band and it's everything I aspire to be as a vocalist. Yeah. And um, yeah, like was sold in in and out and just like, you know, like, you know, I've told you that I'm a stand for the Deftones and it's no fucking exaggeration. Like, I just really love the way that they've taken their career and they continue to impress me. Even if like, even I, and it, it'll be controversial. I know we'll probably go into like some, some recent records, mm-hmm. but like, I don't know. Like even, even if the recent records don't blow me away. Right. Like, I do take it with a grain of salt that I'm older now, right? And I have mm-hmm. a different perspective, but I still really appreciate the uh, 
the composition of those records and like all the shit that Sergio's brought to those records. Oh, hell yeah. Like, you know, like, I mean, and my, my own relationship, I fucking love Sergio. Like, yep. Outside of the Deftones, just like he's a huge hip hop head and he's just a fucking cool ass guy. So like, I don't know. It's just like, I continue to be enamored by that band, the, um, the texture of their stylization and just like how classy they've been and how they really stand out in my opinion as one of like the most relevant and important like rock bands of, you know, our time and our generation. Totally. And I'm so happy that you brought up the, the ethnicity point because I remember being at a show it had to be at the beginning of the Gore tour, so like four years ago, and I remember going out to Pomona with a buddy, and oh god, yeah, right. So at the Fox <laughs> in Pomona, and it's like, go on. <laughs> so like, I, I want to say like a few weeks before that, I had seen Thirty Six Crazy Fist, Kill Switch, and Lamb of God there. So like, it's been like that. What year was this? This is 2016 or early 2017. You sure it wasn't 2004? Because that sounds like a lineup for 2004. For sure. I'm literally, I'm describing like an old Roadrunner Records compilation. Like 100%. Front to back. Yeah. It was, it's the heart of Roadrunner. Basically. It is the, I just saw that while I was going through making another playlist last night. I'm like, oh my God, they have the heart of Roadrunner on here. Amazing. Yeah, there were some fucking bangers on that oh, compilation though. I listen. can't even like that. The glass shot track off of that oh, shit was so good. Hell, like you know, you know that's my shit. So like, yeah, I was very excited to see. I'm like, do I dare go down memory lane? I still have that shit, like in my closet somewhere downstairs, <laughs> buried in the garage. So, but I remember being so struck by like, I didn't think I, I went to a show. I'm not thinking about like how many black people are going to be here, how many white people. I, I didn't think about that. So, I, I'm all I ever think about at shows like that, especially if you go to like a prog show. It's like. How many women are going to actually be here? Oh, God, that, that's yeah. the only one, right, on that rare occasion. But I remember being there and being like, this is so fucking rad. Everybody here is Mexican. Everybody was Mexican. And I'm like, there's my, maybe like 30 white people in the entire room out of, let's say, what, 3,000? And I'm like, this is the coolest shit I've ever seen. Like, it's literally like, like I've never seen anything like that before at a metal show, at a rock show. It's just, it was wild. Like you've been at festivals where maybe it's a little more, you know, like the headliners make the crowd lean a certain way, but being in a room for that band, it just felt like I was, it just felt like a home. I'm sure they felt like a homecoming too. It was so fucking cool to be part of that. Totally. And I mean, it's interesting, like growing up in Jersey, like, you know, grew up with a lot of like ethnic people, obviously. But um, Mm -hmm. when I moved to LA and moved to that area, a few years ago, you know, like when we were, we were hanging heavy, bruh. We were. <laughs> um, it was really interesting, like, to see that manifested in their their home state, right? Like, mm-hmm. and to see that come to life, like, it was really encouraging and just see, like, how much that audience grew. You know, I was watching Eater actually has, like, this, like, restaurant series throughout the U.S. on uh, Hulu. And I just was watching today. It's hosted by Meyer Rudolph and all these, like, it's oh, very, weird. Like, yeah, it's a very, like, reputable show, and I realized, like, one of the guys that they were, like, you know, just asking, like, you know, talking head feedback from had a Deftones hat on, who, and they were talking about a restaurant in L.A., so it's just, like, so fucking cool to see, like, over the years how that has made really its imprint and become, like, a really built-in part of, like, California's DNA and, like, you mm-hmm. know, their identity, and, like, no matter what fucking genre of music you have an affinity for, like, you know who the Deftones are and you know what they stand for. And um, there's an openness and community that build with the ethnic community um, who love rock. That's just open and non-pretentious and 
Yeah. Not a lot of bands can fucking put that underneath their belt, you know, especially in the rock arena. Totally. And you, you know, you hit a really strong point too, because like I grew up in South Florida, no bands wanted to come down there. So I feel like we got my condolences. Oh, I I left. Come on. I left at 18. (laughs) I I never looked back, but I mean, you gotta, you gotta think about bands that don't want to go down there. Like the bands that you and I were fucking with the time, like Snapcase or Cast Iron Hike or Earth, whatever, like they literally to get down there, they lost money. That's it. Getting getting from the, uh, the base of Florida's penis to the tip of Florida's penis. <laughs> you you are like that's gas money. How much merch you have to sell. Like it's insane. So when the bands got there, I feel like we got shitty shows. I feel like bands were just tired. They didn't want to be there. And it wasn't until I had seen Faith No More in their hometown, like in in San Francisco, that I was like, wait, people and the like the band and the crowd actually have a symbiotic relationship. Similar to the way the Deftones are. I saw the Deftones in Jacksonville. I booked them on the White Pony Tour at my college for Jacksonville. And it was like, they didn't want to be there. They weren't nice. Like, it was a it was a bad, bad day. Show was great. Oh, I mean, yeah, you know? I've definitely seen club tours where like the Deftones weren't at their best. Actually, it's funny you met South Florida because I think I, the only band that I ever see is a success out of there is Poison Well, clearly. Yeah, I mean. And, and, and then like. <laughs> it's like then I think about like they actually did a tour with the Deftones like a re I don't even remember what record that was on but they did a like quick like club tour with the Deftones and I remember like I don't even think that they ended up like showing up to that day it was like Asbury <laughs> Park and I was like shocked actually and um the Deftones still played but you know it was an interesting um God, fuck. I'm trying to remember what record, honestly, it was on. It was, like, what are the tweener records for the Deftones, too? I Maybe, think like, been, like, like Saturday Night Wrist or something. Yeah, it had to have been Saturday Night Wrist, like, period. Because I think it was, like, Tear from the Red for, for, um... For Poison know, the Well. Trust, the Trust Kill Days. Shout out oh, to Josh, yeah. right? Like, yeah. <laughs> that whole, like, Jersey affiliation. But, yeah, dude, it was interesting. Like, exactly. When you see a band in their element, it's just so fucking different. You it know? is. Like, it is. And, and, and I, like, I know, like, this is going to sound so fucking old and, like, corny and lame. But, Bring like, it on. I actually have been thinking about it now that I turn, you know, just turned 37, kind of, like, thinking about my life because I was in a band. You were in a band. Like, mm-hmm. we've both been on the ground, right? Yeah. And, like, you think back to those days and you're like, man, it was so fucking lame at times. But it, was <laughs> it was. So, but it was honestly so cool to be alive during a time where, like, bands and and, like, units that made music that was that was supposed to be consumed live had a fucking vehicle to do that yeah whether or not you were good you were bad or you were fucking disgraceful like you had an opportunity to make music and make money off of it and also just like display your art in front of people whether they wanted to see it or not right like, oh totally i mean that 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 time that i lived in in my, i think my first go around as an adult in new york i was living in south plainfield new jersey it's like oh two oh three I saw so many bands that I don't think that like one I should not have dragged my my girlfriend to be wife to the any of those shows. But secondly, oh, like poor Anna. Oh god, she went to the Bird Chill. Oh god, I oh no no she's gonna help me. She edits the episodes because I'm still not there yet. When she hears, she gets fucking PTSD from the Bird Chill because we I had bought. I was so excited to move. My condolences, oh, Anna. Okay, no. I've been there. I've been on so many <laughs> dates at the Bird Chill. No, too, by the way. That's, that's not a bad. that's not a date spot. It's a haunted summer camp that didn't sell alcohol. Like it's not. <laughs> 
They lost their liquor license. I used to show up there to like all the drive-through shows because I worked it. And at 22, I was the oldest person in the room. So I'd get oh, no. there and nobody would be at the venue. The parking lot was pretty much scarce. And you walk in and it's fucking sold out wall-to-wall kids. And then at the end of the show, the parent pickup line starts like like you're at school but like i bought tickets to a show before we moved from florida to new jersey i was so excited to see high on fire and super joint ritual and i she spent this is before smartphones she spent half the night in the car reading like a map because like she just couldn't take it anymore like and it to, to be fair it was a fucking terrible show. Like Phil was oh, so that's... strung out, high on fire. I, I I know everybody fucks with them. It's just not for me. I have Motorhead. What the fuck do I need high on fire for? So like, <laughs> I, I I just I it was a it was a horrible night, and like I she should have left me for sure. Oh my god! Listen, <laughs> Anna, I feel your pain. Like no, I lo- and I love the Burchill. You know what's even funnier? Like you know I'm from Jersey. My aunt and uncle used to go to Burchill as like their like country club deal right what and then like and this was when i was like a preteen, and we'd always go there and it was like chill and there was a pool and it was fucking great and then like literally years later like about three or four years later i'm like wow this is like a venue too like, <laughs> i had no clue as a kid and i would go there and i would have like this dude pick me up who was like definitely not having sex with ever like he was so lame like he was not even that hot like i have no clue why the fuck i was even messing with this guy but he brought me to like literally four or five different shows where like Reveille was always the opener. Oh my and then God. it was like Soulfly was the like the fucking like core act, you know? Like, right. like I remember what time Otep might have actually been another opening act where they used to like bring around that fucking pig head that oh, she used to mess with. God, but like yeah. it was like, dude, that was but you know what? As ridiculous and as like base and fucking stupid in Jersey as it was, like I cannot even imagine what it's like to be a young rock fan today and not have those outlets right and not be inspired by the fact that like hey your shitty local band can also open up for these yeah that's what it's all like i remember i dragged mark shapiro up to the chance in poughkeepsie we'll get back to the deftones i fucking swear but real quick i dragged mark which i think this is basically like a drip down of like every (laughs) shitty eastern show by the way the chance was the shit oh my god it was for poughkeepsie i guess we went to a diner before the show which was like you couldn't even get a drink there. It was like the worst salad or whatever the fuck I ate. Bad choices. And we were, we were and we went to the show and it was like it was um in order. It was Insomnium, Swallow the Sun, Catatonia. So it was like Doom, oh Death. Like it was a. By the way, Swallow and the Sun. Prague. Well, <laughs> a, a little pro, like like Finnish Prague, you know. And it's like Swallow the Sun blew us the fuck away. We had never heard from. I, I I knew who they were, but never saw them up to that point. But I remember the best part about the whole show was that the opener was a local Christian metalcore band from Poughkeepsie <laughs> opening for. Basically, Satan, they, like, like you know, at some point or another, satanic, like, Finnish doom bands. And it was the most fun just watching, like, the whole crowd just, like, you know, the fingers up the whole time, making fun of them. Like, it was, I, I feel bad, but, like, hey, you got to pay your dues. And that was, that was their fucking turn. I love it. It was, ugh. I love it. It's, it's always a contradiction in terms of all those lineups. But mm-hmm. you know what the thing was? Like, we, like now you know, like, obviously being a business person in the, in the music industry, and, like, I know from just being the fucking, you know, here's your 20 bucks for the night and I hope you guys can, like, get dinner. You know? like, <laughs> yeah. You're like, okay, like, I understand why back in the day it was more of a resource-based layup, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're, like, 
okay, cool. Band's willing to play for X amount of dollars. Like, here you go. And like, that was it. And I'm like, I really question. It's like, now looking forward, and again, here, let me bring out my fucking cane. It's like, <laughs> how are you a band that's not performed live in front of people and like had a shitty show or like had like feedback from other people or like had a bad vocal night or a bad mm-hmm. guitar night where you can't fucking hear the monitors, you know? Like, there's so many scenarios. One time, I'll, I'll never forget, we played like a VF type hall in like deep in Jersey somewhere. And it was like, I was so stoked because I got my band on this lineup. That was like all the cool bands in Jersey at the time, you know, like, E-town. like yeah, I'm not. Yeah, we should be so blessed. <laughs> like E-town Concrete, they, get, they always struck crowd at always, Starling always. Ballroom every fucking holiday. I know. Love me some Aunt Martini. Shouts out. He also made it in the industry. But yeah. like, you know, it was like that one time that we played the show it was like we had spent so much time practicing. We we're down and then like literally like. We're finishing up the set, which I think was like 25 minutes, and then like at minute like 24, the fucking curtain starts coming. <laughs> you know, like that. You know the vibes of like the curtain starting to come, and you're just like trying to finish up the song and like pretend like you're not about to get fucking clowned like the Apollo off the stage. You know? Oh my god, Dude, it was so bad. But you know, like if you aren't a band that experienced that, then you haven't really experienced what it's like to be in a fucking band, right? No. Like, that... It's part of the experience that like really makes a band a band. And like when I think to bring it back around, when I think of bands like the Deftones, right? Like they were around at the time. They've seen that kind of fuckery. And I know that those guys and like partied with those guys and just like been around bands of that era. And it's just like as much as we laughed and thought it was crazy and fucking asinine and nuts at the time, like it was special. Now looking back at it in the way the music has progressed, we're like Bands don't even understand that kind of life anymore, right? And it's just taken on a different different composition at this point. So I'm thankful for it, right? Like, I'm totally stoked that I was part of that. A hundred percent. I mean, like, and that's, it, it's all about, like, so cliche, but paying your dues. And, like, a band like Deftones have definitely paid their dues. I mean, they they were a band for what six years before they put out that that they were teenagers and that and like i still feel that uh, and that kind of ties into my next question is that like you take a record like adrenaline they don't even really fuck with that record that hard anymore because and i get it like to me the deftones did not start being deftones until around the fur and i love adrenaline it's like one of those records where it's like i love the first first two faith no more records but they don't they don't add up. They're they, they're not at the same level at any stretch of the imagination as when Patton came through. And that's just, it's not knocking the record. It's just, that's how I feel. So I'm so curious to know, do you have a favorite record? Do you have a favorite song? Tell me about that. Man, I don't, I, a favorite song is really tough. It would mm-hmm. have to be like per record, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Around the Fur will always have like a very special place in my heart because like, although like I started listening to the band with Adrenaline, like for me Around the Fur is when I fucking fell in love, right? Like, Same. It was like, Same. yeah. And, and I remember like listening to the hidden tracks and like all the fucking yeah. just interesting shit that was like part of it, again, like part of the time, part of the moment. But I, I recently listened to Around the Fur when I was like, and I honestly have like tracks from that record, like spliced throughout like a billion playlists of mine. And like, I recently listened to that record and I'm like, wow, like this record really fucking holds up 20 years later. Yeah, You know totally. what I mean? Like, it's the kind of record that I listen to where I'm like, 
I'm actually very appreciative of the 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 production of that record. Oh hell yeah! And like, I don't know, like the I could listen to the whole record from beginning to end, right? Mm-hmm. And like, that's definitely cool. There's like. I gotta say, the second time I fell in love with Deftones was like a little bit later, right? With Diamond Eyes. Oh and yeah, I say, same. That record to me, I would consider their masterpiece in some ways, because there's some parts of that record, like it, there's some parts of that record where I listen to it and I'm like, man, this is just genius. Like, there's really parts of that record, and I like Koino Yokan too. Like, that shit was a really fucking. like those two records within a certain period of my life i feel were very much like um were very much like a soundtrack you know and i i I, I admit that i'm a little bit biased because i think that we all kind of associate our affinity and affection for a record based off of like where we're at and how that resonates with us in our lives like that's just what it is to be an artist or even like just love music on that level you know Mm -hmm. and like I don't know, the older I get, the harder it is to honestly fall in love with the record. But when when, when came out, I was just like, I was truly blown away with how much that record still sticks to me. It's like, it really truly to me was like, you know, um, Picasso level, like just interpretation of their abilities as a unit, right? Like so, it just yeah. had like the sexiness, it had the heaviness, it had the right vocal cadence. I think Chino was on fire at that time. Yeah, um, agree. Just vocally, like... And and I gotta say that was one of the things with Ohms that kind of like disappointed me. Like the music to me was really really good, but like the one thing about this band to me that has always been the 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 allure has always been the vocals because as a vocalist I've always identified with Chino's vocals mm-hmm. and like when his vocals are lazy or not interpretive or not not as creative like. It definitely fucking shows to me with that band. So like, it's kind of screwed actually because like the rest of the band's output completely be put to the wayside. Even if it is very creative or has a certain kind of hook, because his vocals really do make the band and really is to me in my eyes what distinguishes it from other rock bands at the time. And even in that new metal, I've been trying to stay away from this word, but that new metal era of bands that cropped out, like that's what has really distinguished them as more of. You know, a, a player in a classic rock genre. Totally. And look, I you said so many things right there that I completely agree with, and I, I'm like, for for me, Deftones have always been that band that they have the most impactful album openers of probably maybe other than like that sweet spot of Metallica, like the first four mm-hmm. records. I don't think another band has had openers like this. Like they, when that drum hit starts on My Own Summer, you just know you're about to get fucked. Like you just know that like this record's about to fuck up your whole, like everything. And like to the production, they always have, the drums are always at the forefront and they're big and they sound like cannons, but not like ACDC cannons. Like it's just so crisp. Abe is my favorite rock drummer. Like probably my favorite drummer ever. Oh yeah, and there's just like he's so unique. He's a unique talent for sure. Like not only is a cool ass fucking guy, but like he really is unique talent because like it is the drums that distinguishes that band, Mm -hmm. and and like, and I I don't want to minimize it's just the vocals. It's just my own personal bias. But like, as somebody who grew up listening to hip hop and grew up in a world where hip hop was king, right? Like, I always. I always identified that about the band that like the drum patterns, the way the bass was in the cut, like was never 
some white people shit. No, like, it's not. It was like, even though Abe is white, <laughs> right. you know, like, it was a tone and a texture that you didn't really see in rock music and just had almost like a rappy kind of cadence in a way that most of those bands could kind of like attempt to pull off, right? And like would duplicate very fucking swiftly. As you know, non-point, hello. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. all of those kind of crop of bands that came from that time. But, like, yeah, dude, like, I, I 100% agree. Like, Abe is a, the, a lot of the people in the band is very are very talented. It's almost like a shame in some ways that, like, Chino really does carry that band a lot. Because, like, honestly, he's talented. But, like, a lot of the other people in the band are probably more talented than him. Well, I think you nailed it. I think that you look at a band like... Like Deftones, and you compare it to a band like again, Nonpoint are my boys. Like I opened up for them when they were still called Nonpoint Factor. They were a thrash band in South Florida. Like I've known those guys for twenty something years. Like um, it's they're just you know that's a different trip altogether. But then you look at like a band like Incubus or all these bands at the time that were getting DJs, keyboard players. None of them utilize that position in the band like Frank. None of them. Frank is. Like he is a, a huge puzzle piece in that band. Where another band, it's like cool, just throw some scratches over it. Cool, or a new metal band. It's like no, he's gonna make soundscapes and and create. Like to me, White Pony is his record. It's so yeah. It's so, like it, he creates a mood like Passenger or Pink Maggot or like it's just without or, or, or change. Which initially I wanted to, to say to you because you think of any other drummer would have played change that song would have sucked it would have been like a four on the floor beat it would not it, he just abe just sits behind the pocket just enough almost in the way the cut. he's so yeah. in the cut like i always compare abe's drumming to snoop's like classic snoop like his cadence where he's <laughs> he's just stoned enough to be right behind the beat but he he creates like it's okay it, it, that's the it's like that's it couldn't be any other way yeah, true caveat to be honest. Like, I was a heavy weed smoker for a good majority of my life, and I had my on my on and off, right? So I've had like you know four or five years where I'll like take off for school or whatever, but or like smoke very sparingly. But like for a very long time, in both my teenage and twenties, I was very heavy into weed. I actually have stopped smoking since the last year, and um, I gotta say like smoking has done a lot for me in my relationship with the Deftones because like. It has created an emotional connection with the music, which, like, honestly, like, and I know, like, you weren't totally bringing this up, but, like, it is the perfect stoner band. <laughs> like, it just has those textures, and I do, to your point, like, like Frank really, like, those textures, sometimes you can't even hear them until you fucking stone the shit, right? And, like, I remember, <laughs> like, being in, a, being in a band with a bunch of fucking Hispanic dudes and, like, in a studio, like, worshipping this fucking music that these guys have made and listening to the nuances of, like, those layers and those textures that can only be really brought from, you know, vinyl or recorded music that is interweaved within those, like, musical elements. And, like, yeah. I don't know, like, when I when I listen to it now, a little bit, like, Stone Cold Silver, which is fucking lame in my eyes, but, like, <laughs> it, it's, like, I, I do realize those things that I heard when I was not quite there, right? And there is something about the band, and I know that Chino loves some weed too, like, yeah. um, that definitely is unlocked if you happen to love you some marijuana, you know? Like, um, there's just a vibe and a tone and a feel that, like, honestly is unparalleled. And it's funny you bring up Incubus too, because, like, 
they were from that fucking late 90s, like early 2000 era, both very much like parallel contenders in some ways. Oh, right? yeah. And like, and Incubus has, has their ups and downs, I would say, because sometimes they'll make like a Stella record or like, no pun intended there. Um, <laughs> but like, nice, or like something, nice. you know, yeah, you like that. Um, I love that. Or, <laughs> <laughs> or something that kind of like, Something that kind of vibes and is super fucking cool, and you're like, wow, it's clever songwriting, right? Because Brandon Boyd's just got like truly an incredible voice. Yeah, but, he does. Like, it's just not the same. Like, no, and in like the early days, it was like you want to be patent. We get it. Right, right. Patent. Like he's fully admitted that he wants to be patent, and it's like, dude, everyone's got to stop trying that. Patton is in his mid fifties and still the best Mike Patton. Like he, <laughs> like literally, I it feels like two years ago. But the last, like some of the last shows I saw, like in February. I mean, I saw other shows after that were great. I saw Cult of Luna, Emma Ruth Rundle, great shit. But like I saw three Bungle shows in a row at the Fonda, and it was all the fucking, it was all the stuff that came out on the Thrash demo that just came out, and. It's like, oh, yeah, like this is everyone needs to stop trying to be Mike Patton because he is not slowing down. He is, <laughs> he is not sucking any worse. He's no one's having to drop tune to hit. No, like, it's just not. He is an anomaly. And with Incubus, it's like it's almost like I talked about it, I think, on every fucking podcast at this point, And I will keep doing it, is that they almost feel like they're in this Neil Young phase where they haven't made a good record in 16 years. But it is. Although I will say, I always think about the Mike Patton. But you know what I always think about that one day. I don't even remember what venue we're at, but me and you met up to go to a show, and it was a Black Cross, I think. And like Mike Patton basically never showed up. Oh right, right, right. Because (laughs) yeah, um, yeah, we all just stood around there. Something happened and like he he like cut open his jaw. I don't remember the story, but I remember that we were just standing there and then like, was it Lombardo that came out? And he was like, he's like, that's it. He's like, you know, the show's not happening. And we're like, this is hilarious. This is the most Mike Patton thing ever. And then like the house, the house lights came on and we're like, oh, I, I guess I, I'm coming back tomorrow. It's real. It's yeah. real. Like, we're like, I guess we should go home now. <laughs> yeah. and I, I think we were like hanging out with a Greg Pucciato and his girl. Who we was, were. Like, it was so fucking random, but it was like, yeah, we were just bullshitting, like drinking, having a good time. We're like, okay, this is like definitely going to happen. And then it just completely like did not happen. That's right. I, right. Because we were with, we were with Sean, who was at Ipecac at the time. And I, and she's like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. And I, I came back the next night and it was, the show was amazing, but he was like all stitched up on the, the chin. <laughs> area um yeah anyway i'm upset about that still clearly it still haunts my dreams well any show that i've missed now i feel bad about because there's no fucking shows i i I feel like oh i'm i'm so bummed i missed that one show in 1997 i'm really fucking bummed about that right now (laughs) thinking back to the glory days yeah yeah. no but no no for sure coming back again to incubus like i don't know like they're a great parallel right because they had um you know similar similar deal where they had been on a major and I mean, like, honestly, like you and I know we both work at majors, we both work at indies, like major could be your fucking blessing or it could be your curse. Right. But the thing about being a major, which bands don't really want to fucking admit, and I'll say it because I'm not in the industry anymore like that, is like, look, once you're at the majors, you can't slip. There's no slipping. No, like, especially slip now. At all. No, not at all. Especially now, right now. Especially now as a rock band that's contingent on live music. Right. Like, right. There's just like. There, you have to be a participatory piece of your career if you're on a major label. And if you're kind of phoning it in, like, hey, let me deliver a record, go tour, and then call it a day, like, bro, that's just not how it works anymore no. at all. And um, 
I, I actually do feel bad for bands that are actually talented, right? Because sometimes those people don't exactly give a shit about marketing, and I don't blame them. Like, why should they care? But unfortunately, if you want to do this for a living, like, marketing is absolutely built into it. Well, yeah. And as a rock band, 100%. Well, that's the thing, right, is that everything is online. I mean, like, even the, the pandemic aside, right, everything is just so every Thursday night on Spotify, checking Apple Music. It's so mechanical. And I think that a band like Deftones and bands of that ilk or whatever you want to call it, that's a live experience. Like the records are great, but you go to see them live and, you know, it, it, it could kind of be a crapshoot. Like I always compare Deftones Live to Soundgarden Live where it's all contingent on what Chris and or Chino would sound like that night. Like I've seen yeah. Chino because like when, when, when Chris, just like Chino is on and having a night that could be the, that, that is a chance to be the best show you've ever seen when he's not, it's so hard to watch and it's, it's yeah. it is. And I've seen both and, I, and I've seen both on the white pony tour where it's like, how could you do me like this? <laughs> but, but, totally. you know, and it's like, now you slip, there's no live, there's no nothing. Like y- your record, like Ohms is amazing. I-, I really like the second half of the new Deftones record so much. The first half is fine. The second half just got me hooked, completely hooked. And I don't, I want to see that live. Like to me, th- they're one of those rare bands that, I fuck with the studio albums entirely front to back, but I still feel they're a live band. I mean, like, wh- what do you think? I mean, the thing is, right, and it's not just native to the Deftones. Music in general can only you can only fall in love with music live. I'm convinced. At yeah, this point I... in my life, like, there is no, and that's what I find really contentious and interesting about the business moving forward in the next six six months to a year. Because, all right, best case scenario, vaccine pumps itself out by the end of the year. It's more widely nationally adopted, probably top of the year, closer to spring, top of summer. Yeah. That does not leave actual, like, runway for live representation to probably 2022, right? Correct. And the thing about that that's fucking damning is that rock music was already on a borderline, like, holy shit, like, lifeline, right? Yeah. And then when you factor in, you and you and I know this fairly well, you factor in the cost of putting on a show, right? Mm-hmm. I worked in hip-hop for quite some time. Hip-hop's overhead, way fucking lower than a Marilyn Manson show of or course. a Rob Zombie show, right? You're not hiring musicians. You're not fucking moving those musicians around to every fucking cunt every um every city in the country right no props you're not having to sound check yeah you're not having yeah no props no visuals it's like a background a fucking moving screen maybe and some like hat tricks and that's it right yeah that's so it. there's very little production costs associated and rock music has already been in a deficit for quite some time right mm-hmm. so when you look at that you're like damn man like from a purely logistical and monetary standpoint it is not monetarily fruitful to put a rock band on a tour and i actually fear for what that means over the near term right like next three years like kids that are born i don't know 20 2010 right god how fucking old oh jesus christ 15 years old in 2025 right Mm -hmm. they don't know what it's like to be 15 years old fucking walking down the street listening to that sounds being like, yo, I can't wait to go see the convention center, right? Right. Because they're not going to know a world in that short three-year period that is accessible shows because of the inability to actually be IRL. 
right? Yeah. And I think there's a cultural construct that actually will end up being more detrimental to the music industry than like currently possible. And you know, you and I have discussed like my point of view is that the music the music industry is very short sighted. And as detrimental as I can be sometimes in thought pattern, it's actually very fucking beneficial when you think about it in business terms because it's like let's make this money now and let's always think about the money now and not about the money later right and there's like a bit of good and bad right like to that right oh definitely and 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 now being a little bit out of the industry and working at a brand i'm actually fucking like wow i learned valuable lessons there that are very important at a time like this where like brands are like let's talk about 2022 i'm like nah let's actually talk about tomorrow and no one else everyone else is like oh my god tomorrow like we're not talking about tomorrow like what will we do tomorrow i have no clue what to do i'm like actually let's do x y and z blah blah blah. like i realize that's a very important skill set to have in modern business because we're driven by the internet we're literally living a split life between the internet and IRL, right? Yeah. But I fear for rock music, particularly bands like Deftones, because like they're on a later, they're on a later leg of their career, right? Mm-hmm. They're like getting to later stages of their deals. Their next step could be a variety of things, right? I look at like, for instance, kind of comparable because of the timeline, but not comparable in sound, in my opinion. But Slipknot, right? Mm-hmm. You look at Corey Taylor. Corey Taylor, I always said, could be a fucking country superstar. And oh I never yeah under- yeah and like i never understood why he didn't plant his roots a little bit sooner in that but whatever and then i realized recently not that i'm actively looking at Corey taylor's career but like through friends of friends that he actually put out like a solo record that sounds like a fucking country record right well yeah it's yeah i'll just keep my opinion to myself <laughs> on that i mean but you yeah. know you listen to it and you're like okay it's pretty evident the bands of that era that we're making money in X, Y, and Z way that may have gotten clever with it. Like Slipknot fucking reached to me, one of the echelons, right? Oswald, yeah. not fest. Like they, they were able to brand themselves to the point of being the fucking brand, right? Like the Deftones didn't quite reach that, right? Like, which is surprising because they're actually more of a melodic accessible band, but like they haven't really gotten there. And like how can this, this band made this music that I love be able to sustain themselves and when i rate like apples and oranges because that's what i consider them like i don't really i don't think that they've taken it to that level and chino is independently that kind of like planted his seeds in different areas like, yeah of course seeds, you know like crosses shit yeah palms never, yeah palms but it's not none of those are commercially viable no not surprising if anything they're less commercially viable totally like passion projects they they totally are now he's doing that band with like some of the dudes from bad brains and he's like basically playing guitar and it's like bro you're not like i'm not knocking your skill you might be a virtuoso and like you're an amazing songwriter but people come to the party pay the price of admission to see you sing that's they don't care if it's melodic they don't care if you're screaming your dick off it's literally they're here to see you and a microphone that's why people come to see the deftones i don't give a fuck like i'm there i I will watch abe the entire show because i i'm a dork like that but let's be real like we're really there at least i i feel he's the he is the to me one of the one of the quintessential front men of that time of our time and it's so amazing to see what like you touched on something earlier where you mentioned diamond eyes is like that's their pinnacle and that's so i feel that way too and it's so rare that somebody says that because to me diamond eyes was almost the natural follow-up 10 years later to the white pony 
And yes. I, I love self-titled. I love Saturday Night Wrist. But you, you, like you said, it those are like they're not stopgap records, but they're certainly they're they're in between the two powerful bookends. And they're tweeners. They're, yeah, yeah. You, you said that. Yeah. Tweeners, yeah. Yeah, but like totally like like when that when that's when diamond eyes opens and it's like it's like the frank build into like just the, the downbeat and you're like wait what that i i thought about this a lot before we talked we spoke today and i think as sad as this sounds i don't think i've connected with a record as much as diamond eyes since diamond eyes i obsessively listen to that record front to back same oh my god same yeah and and, and, and like even now it's like like I'll listen to a band and I'll listen to it a few times and I it, it's good. I'll make my year end list. I'm stoked, but I'm not connecting with anything like I connected. That was the last record. I think that like it had a story. It was like, there was a death, there was a rebirth. It's, there's nothing like that to me since. It, it, totally. And, and I get that the band has been through a lot too, right? Like, like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it's easy to forget about Chief. Right, like it's an, and it's easy to forget about the era of surrounding that, right? Mm-hmm. And just in the lost record, right? But oh then, like, man, just put it out. I want it so bad. <laughs> yeah, and like just think about like everything that the band has been through, and like again, like I don't give two fucks about most of these bands' personal lives, right? Me but I care, and that's why the Brit when you were like, "Yo, what band?" I was like, "Deftones, hundred percent." Yeah, you jumped at it totally. Kid, like I've just been obsessed with this band, and like what you know what they've been through and the sounds of the ch- and the way that they've changed and like remember when they I, they had a dvd where they were in hawaii i don't know oh my so god they did deftones like live in hawaii like there was a weird yeah, 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 mtv like series yes <laughs> they're like in a crater like doing like a bongo edition yeah. of like a few different <laughs> and this was when she was alive too actually and like you know i remember like when, oh my god fuck dude this is like maybe i was like super young i was like watching this with my ex-boyfriend like from jersey right like the and I think about that time and I'm like, man, like the the band went through a lot and I, I, I am forgiving of those tweener records. But when I listen to Diamond Eyes and I think about like a record that I'm like, man, this is one of the most important rock records of our time. Yeah. To me, it's that. And like I, White Pony is a great fucking record, right? Oh, yeah. Like for when sure. I think about my formative years, I, I like, you'll love this. I, I've been wanting to talk about this for quite some time. And this is absolutely a moment where I like became... I was always obsessed with the death sentence, but it was like next level, right? Mm. I, when I was 16 years old, forced my father, my ex-boyfriend, and two of my friends to to go to Rochester because the <laughs> because Glassjaw was opening for the Deftones on on this tour for White Pony, where the where Glassjaw released everything you know right that year ninety I think it was like ninety nine it was so fucking long ago and it was yeah. like one of Mike Gitter's records that he had first like put out or whatever it was so it was so crazy like been working in the industry like years after and like looking back on that time I was just so obsessed with that record and I'm like I have to see these bands together because I love both these bands so much that's amazing and, like, that's amazing went up I was like sixteen years old maybe like and I got shit face wasted at this fucking random ass like motel that we stayed at my dad came oh my which my god my dad is gone now too like right. rest in peace my dad like thanks dad for fucking going to rochester what a legend New jersey legend. yeah what a total legend <laughs> and like knew we were getting like hammered in the next room and just like let us go you know oh, that's and great. I, I remember being like blackout drunk going to the venue in rochester and just having 
the best fucking time watching both of those bands and it was like such a time stamp on that era for me you know what i mean yeah. like it was just like it was like change was a hit which had like to me like, yeah. when mtv was like a fucking thing you're like wow change is like next to like all these big rap records and all this shit you would have never expected it to be amongst and that's you know incubus really had a great time during that era corn like all those new metal-esque bands and like when i look back to the era i'm like damn you know like Deftones wrote a record that was really sticky and really fucking lasted and was really innovative for the time, right? It is a classic. But to me, when I think about the band's ability, what the band could actually do as songwriters and what the band aims to do tone-wise, like, Diamond Eyes is the fucking, it is, it is the key album, right? It's, like, akin to, like, the best Led Zeppelin album you'll ever hear. Well, you know what I mean? It's yeah. a masterpiece. Well, like, and they're, it's so, they've always been the art of making deep cuts, like, that, like, when I, when I think of that record, obviously, like, you know, Rocket Skates was a huge hit, but Diamond Eyes, to me, is an all, sex tape, yeah, sex tape, totally, but, like, they, they, like, when I think of a, that, that record, I think of, like, Prince, or I've Seen the Butcher, or these songs, that it's, like, no other band could maybe the only other band that could write a riff that's so simple and make it intricate is a band that you, me, and maybe all of our friends know, but like Candiria. There's no other yeah. band that can take I mean, Seven Dust did it to a point, but that's like another thing altogether. But taking a By simple By the way, like Seven yeah. Dust on home had some fucking bangers too. Machino was like you Yo. know what I mean? Like it was just that arrow was so tight. Like, Listen it was such great songwriting. Home is a fucking phenomenal record. <laughs> it really is, honestly. And like the collaborations on the record, oh my god, really fucking good. Like I, I know this is like, like I remember going to Vintage Vinyl. Yep. Right during that time. Yep. And fucking get like, you know, like go to see these bands, and there was like a pipeline to like the Birchill, and like oh, again, yeah. like it's just an affinity you don't you don't build now with those kind of bands because you don't. You don't get to fall in love with them in the same way. And I, I do fear for that in live music and in the connection that music has with its audience moving forward. Because, like, you're not going to invest in something you're not fucking obsessively in love with. No, totally. You know I mean? And, like, that's I, – I go back to that show in Pomona. I oh, just lost my mic shield. Hold on. Um, I go back to that show in Pomona where I – it's the connection, right, where they went into Diamond Eyes and everything – that I was dealing, like, again, I, I think at that point, my back was so fucked up. I was about to have back surgery. And I remember I handed, I handed my, my, my drink to my friend and I went in the pit, like, Oh my God. 36 year old fucking broken man in the pit because I didn't even like, it didn't matter that they were like, you know, the big hate breed dudes with like their shirts off and like man boobs everywhere. Like I just could not, I, I literally could not contain myself and not, I, I'm like, I have to be, that was like, I don't get FOMO too often, but that was like, if I don't do this, it's going to be worth the pain. If I get punched, it doesn't matter. Like that's how important that record and those songs are to me. And like, I guess, yeah, I guess you're right. They, I guess that is their best fucking record. Yeah. And like, I've, I've thought about it, you know, like prior to our conversation and like, you know, even, even before I knew we were going to talk about this, like, you know, I, I think about it often. I mean, you know, like, and, and, and there's parts of me that like have kind of fallen out, fallen out of love a little bit with the band in the last years, but I, it doesn't mean that I never support, like I support every record they put out and I'll always invest money in every record they put out because I still believe in that band. Yeah. And I think that their contribution to music is always important. Right. 
Blasted Records, not my jam, right? Like, all good, though. I, when I lived in L.A., I stood in fucking line at Amoeba for gore. I was you there know, with like, you. I, I was with oh, you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did we? Yeah. yeah, that's right. I remember, I remember, and, like, I, I, if he's listening, I'm really sorry, but I remember that I got bothered so much at that, like, at the show by a manager of, of the, the manager of the Dandy Warhols, and he was just blowing up my phone, and I remember just, te- I just texted him while I was waiting there, and I'm like, I am watching the fucking Deftones at Amoeba. I will call you back. Like, this, nothing is as important as this right now. That was such a great little, like, fucking show, though. Mm-hmm. Like, there were so many, and, and again, like, I love watching them every time I see them live, and, you know... Um, I was like, you know, I was looking through my, my phone. I had seen them in, in Long Island once and I've literally seen them everywhere. I've seen every Chino side project possible. Yeah, right? me too. And like, and you're totally right. Like I, it's, it's really contingent on its vocals and it really makes the show. And, and I get it cause I'm a vocalist. Like the pressure of that is fucking annoying. Right. But like, that's kind of like the unfortunate cross you bear in those kind of situations, you know, like it is. When you are noted for something, it just really, really makes a difference. And I, you know what, low key, what album I really, really love, hmm. and that like, to me, I always go back to. It's such a fucking rando, but it's the B sides and rarities. Oh, like, totally. So many great covers, like the chauffeur, like Duran Duran one. Like, oh my god. Oh yeah. Like, like please, please love, let me get what I want. Like that's yeah, fuck. So many. Man covers, and then the one with Jonah too. Um, oh, it's be quite a drive, like yeah. the acoustic version with Jonah, right? Yeah. Um, from far and like, I just I think back to like what those songs and what those renditions of those songs have done for me in my life, and like, I, I honestly like it gives me chills when I still listen to like those acoustic versions or like those rarity versions because it as as like an ethnic chick growing up in the hood who loved fucking dark goth rock right growing mm-hmm. up and like growing up with a lot of people who had a very similar opinion like it, it it is really cool to know that a band that you've invested so much for your adult and like you know free adult life in like also has the same point of view and honestly like you know watching the lemmy documentary a few years ago opened my eyes to like the realities of it for everybody who's a musician like you know oh, yeah okay like, hey, i listen to little richard and i'll never fucking think anything's better and it's yeah. like, yo, this is Lemmy right. saying that, right? <laughs> yeah. But he's right. He's like, totally when right. Lis- when you listen to music that's formative to you, and it really strikes a chord, and it's fucking, even if it's bad, it still will always be the best fucking thing you've ever heard. You yeah, you, I mean? have, you have a connection to it. It's like, I, I would go um, for all the bands that I liked, and some that are, are questionable, but hey, no guilty pleasure, who cares? I would go and spend the little money I had, a lot of it at Vintage Vinyl, to buy like the import CD singles and singles and things like that. And I remember specifically buying the import single for change and the two B sides, which both ended up on, on the B sides and rarities was Crenshaw, which is a fucking phenomenal song. They never released from, from the, uh, around the first sessions. And then, Later known as Crenshaw Punch, because I'm a dork like that, so I know all this stuff. But the other one... Parentheses. Parentheses. Parenthetical in the House of Flies. Um, But they, to to me, the greatest cover of all time, ever, will never be topped, is Faith No More's Easy. A runner-up contender is No Ordinary Love. Their cover of No Ordinary yeah. Love, and then their cover of Drive, which I later found. Simple fi- kind of man. Too, oh, Simple Man like, too. 
Such a good one. Yeah, like, and I was, like, never a Leonard Skinner fan, like, growing nah, up, you know? me either. But, like, hearing Chino's rendition of that, I was like, damn, man. And it really got, it actually, frankly, like, it's kind of interesting how that works out, right? Like, sometimes when you hear a cover, you're kind of like, oh, shit, like, let me learn more about the original band, right? Like, I grew up in the hood. Like, I never fucking knew this. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Right? If you weren't Bon Jovi or Bruce, we weren't talking about classic rock, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> in the house of Jersey, we don't speak of those names. But, like, yeah, I know, mean, like, <laughs> I really got into, like, you know, I started to research more about Leonard Skinner and really got me more intrigued on the story. So, always a really interesting cover for me, too, like, for that, a band, a Mexican rock and metal band right like super yeah. fucking cool you know it's very fucking random and i i i love that and i love that they, they they covered like the cardigans later on they just always they always never gave a fuck or at least that was the that's what i took from it like i'm sure it was well thought out and intricate but at the end of the day all we're getting is the output and i was always like what fucking metal band? Because, like, to the outside looking in, they are a metal band. What metal band is covering the fucking cardigans? That was a B-side <laughs> on Diamond Eyes. And I'm like, wait, why are they doing this? And, of course, it was great. But, like, there's not a lot of bands that, that, that do that. And, secondly, if they do that, there's not a lot of bands that can get away with it. And, thirdly, that improve upon it half the time, at least half the time. Oh, yeah. No, usually it's just, like, really regretful. And I love that they always cover, like, when you watch them live, like, I've seen them live, I, I can't even count the times at this point. Like, it was, like, at least two to three times a year. Um, you know, they would always, like, at some point in the set, dive into Say It Ain't So. Oh, yeah. And I yep. always love that about it, because I always thought that, like, honestly, Weezer's Blue album is one of the most singable albums to me of all time. That's how I learned how like, to harmonize. Any- yeah, it totally, yeah. man. Like, and I mean, it's such a low-key, like, accomplishment. And Weezer is, like, low-key one of the fucking greatest bands of all time. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, but it's it's really interesting that they would always cover that song because I'm like, man, like, I always thought this shit was singable, but to hear Chino, like, just fucking bust into it, literally any Deftone song ending, like, you're like, wow, this song is, you know, this song is actually pretty translatable totally. to any well, situation. Well, they have, I don't, I don't remember, because they put out the covers, uh, record sort of a piece, and then also the B-sides and rarities, which, like, have a lot of, like, the same songs, and I can't remember if this was on the Escape to L.A., so I, honestly, it doesn't fucking matter, but the song, um, uh, I Can't Breathe, or I Can't Even Breathe, that, like, is an original, I thought it was a Weezer cover, like, that song, oh, really? it sounds, that, it totally sounds like Suzanne from the, the Weezer did for the Mallrats movie. And it was like, yeah. it's the same beat, the same riff. And I'm like, is this a Weezer song? Cause it's fucking rad, but I don't. Were they on the, oh my God, you just reminded me, weren't they on the Crow soundtrack? It was mm-hmm. like Crow 2 or was, the second, was, it was a, second yeah, or yeah. third. One of the, I, I never they like. They were in the, vi- they were in the film. Like playing live too at the at the time I think I don't know if I've ever seen another Crow movie besides the first. <laughs> I, I have to admit, don't judge me, Rob. <laughs> there's no listen. I watched like I literally like have seen all the Police Academy movies, even the seventh one that like nobody has seen. So I am not <laughs> I'm not the film connoisseur that I am with music. So, um, but yeah, that there's no judgment. I just they just continued to like imp- every time they were on a soundtrack, they were on part of a film or on a you know on a compilation it was always like that was the highlight they're always the fucking highlight yeah no i mean they've again like it's really impressive like how extensive their career is like kind of spanned and um you know that's what that's why again like until this day i'll like stand for them you know actually i have a really funny story if you'll humor me on this of course um 
when I, so, you know, I had spent all this time, like, trying to figure out how the fuck to freak into the music business when I was, like, in a band doing all these things. And I'm like, yeah, maybe, like, making 20 bucks a night, like, touring with some shitty dudes in a band is not cool. Like, <laughs> it's not great. Let me, um, yeah, let me get into the music business and figure it out. And so randomly, I think I had gotten a job at Roadrunner at the time. Like, I was doing PR for Roadrunner. And it was, like, one of those, fuck, like, 2007, I want to say 2006, like, back in the day at this point and yeah. um i had went to a show with my ex-boyfriend who was a raging lunatic cokehead crazy drunk fun and he, yeah and we had like i i somehow weasel my way to get vip tickets so like it was at roseland which i i know you will appreciate this and yes like, vip at roseland is legendary right it is like i have so many fucking stories about the vip at, at roseland but like i do too you know, yeah and not not surprising yeah, super drunk super crazy and like we're there i snuck the him and his friend up to like try to be like a good girlfriend and dude literally i have no clue why he did this but basically like jumped up on the ledge and jumped on stage while the deftones were playing that's like a and, like, far <laughs> drop <laughs> that's really it was like cocaine is one hell of a drug <laughs> I mean, literally do this, and I'm, I'm, I turn away for a few minutes and like turn around and see that he's done this, and like I cannot believe it, and literally broke both of his legs. Well, um, yeah, no fucking but I'm shit. Like, never tell anybody you knew me. Like <laughs> never, never tell whatever. And I, clearly, I dumped him after that. And I was right. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Why? But like, I'm picturing you like standing over him, legs all fucking like backwards, and you're like, listen, you can't tell anybody about this. You don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm out, but he was like super fanboy and like super stoked that he was like dairy. And like, I was just getting into the industry, so I was like hugely embarrassed by these actions, obviously. Yeah. And like, looking back on it, I'm actually like, you fucking nutcase. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, how, how crazy. But you know, when you think of it from a fan point of view, right? Like, somebody who like does not give a shit about having to look cool or care about anybody, like, it's kind of like wildly, wildly admir- admirable in some ways that you would do something that nuts for a band that you love, right? Yeah. But like, I was just like, wow, like, I, I could not believe it. And then like years later, you know, actually became, you know, pretty cool with the band, like had interviewed them at Sirius a bunch of times for Revolver a bunch of times, became really cool with Sergio when he joined the band. Mm-hmm. And like, Obviously, the quicksand had a nice little resurgence. We know you expressed this already, Chris Enriquez. We get it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, you that know, Sergio, yeah. Sergio is a hip hop DJ, too. Nobody realizes that. But he, like, right. you know, you've been to Max Fish. Like, you would DJ at Max Fish, and we would get wasted and come out and, like, listen to his shit. And, like, you know, I lived in Brooklyn. He would DJ in Brooklyn. So, like, me and my, my homegirls, when I was, like, single and out on the, out on the, the town, you know, would just go out. And uh, that was really cool to kind of develop later. But, like, I look back to that, and I'm like, man, I'm so glad that none of these guys knows that that was my man. Right. Well, it's time, like, you know? <laughs> no, it's like that you can – it's – I think now, like, you bring up a good point. It's like you've been in the business long enough where somebody could have known you. Like, there's certain people I know that I knew when I was an intern, when I was, like, working in the mailroom, and that were still – like, I didn't embarrass myself to any – discernible level i guess maybe a little bit here and we all have done it but like there's that i'm thankful for that that like i mean i i definitely have gotten in a fist fight at roseland at a work show um that that happened i like but i've never like completely fucked it you know ever 
Totally. And it's funny to look at it now because I'm like, oh my God, like who cares? Like literally no one cares. But it's just so funny because at the time you're just like, oh my God, like no one ever noticed, you know? But like um, that that's like a memory literally ingrained in my mind. And like in his logic, he's like, I just love the band so much. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing? I was so young, you know? Like, yeah. Um, definitely a memory never to be forgotten. So like. No, uh, that's a good one. Two broken legs and a coked out boyfriend. I think you win. I mean, White Pony, man, just inspired him to go there. You know? He's like, get it, White Pony? I'm fucking jumping. And, and he was Hispanic, so there you go. <laughs> oh, man, right. The right audience, so yes. there you go. But, uh, yeah, no, that, that's definitely, like, one of the memories I'll always have in my mind of uh, the Deftones. But, you know, other than that, obviously, like, mad amazing shows, like, across, across the board that I've seen, on stage, off stage, like, you know, like, I've just been so privileged and lucky to be um, – not only a fan, but somebody who's been able to see and understand and like party with the band and understand the band and like all those great guys who really, you know, are pretty humble, to be honest, for like yeah. all the things that they've achieved. And like, you know, again, that's why I'm like, if, if I may not love an album, I'll like I'll always support them financially because like I know how important that is. And totally it does make a difference for them, for sure. I remember I met um, I met Chino for the first time. We met back in the White Pony days, but I was booking them for college, so it's a different thing altogether. And I remember I, w- I worked the Palms record for for Ipecac, and I was at they were playing a show at the Troubadour, and it was fucking amazing. And I remember, um, you know, the label wanted to introduce me to Chino and, and the guys, and I already knew Aaron and some of the other guys and from ISIS, and... Um, Chino was like, he's like, Hey, this is Rob. He's your guy at distribution. He helped like get all the vinyl colors to all this shit, whatever. And he was very nice. And then he was like, Oh, so like, you like the big label guy. And I'm like, yeah, no. And he's like, so how many records are we going to sell? We're going to sell like hundred thousand, 150,000 first week. And like, he was just so funny about the whole thing. It was, everything was just, <laughs> and I was like, I appreciate this because like, how many times do you meet a band? And it's like, you find the one business guy in the band, like the bass player. And you're like, we're sitting at a restaurant or at a bar, having a good time, getting to know each other. And then you find the business guy in the band. Like, I don't want to talk about like, you know, splits. First week and, sales. Yeah. yeah. First week sales. Yeah. Like, can yeah. we just not or do are we this? Start? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. 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 So I always, I always try to like, to, to end, to end these conversations with two questions. And one you already answered because like, they're definitely, you know, I think, this is the band. This is the band for you. Like I don't think if you were gonna discuss another band, I'd be I I, I would be curious to know if there was another band that you wanted to discuss. What would that be? Oh man, I don't even know if there would be another band because I I don't think that there's any other artist that's like impacted me in this way. Amazing in the rock genre, at least in the rock genre for sure. I mean, we could get into hip hop too, but yeah, this is or, a... or I don't know, like Sisters of Mercy. Are we gonna? Talk? Oh shit! I mean, we could <laughs> fuck. I talked to Mark Vieira about Sam Hain for for ninety minutes. We could definitely talk about about Sisters <laughs> of Mercy. See? Yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot of it's a lot of goth rock and like right. shit that I like. Maybe not be like sexy to kids. You know what I mean? Like it's really. I just grew up in this like really like um sad girl poor Vita type shit, you know. <laughs> no, that's all. That, but you know what? I'm down. Well, I'll have you back to do that. And then the question that like doesn't even make sense for the Deftones, but I am curious because I do have my own answer. Is that it was it's it's interesting when you're asking like somebody to talk about Bruce Springsteen and you're like, do they have a sexy song? Is there a strip club anthem? But the Deftones literally they are a sexy song. Their entire catalog is. Is that like I like to me? I think a song like "Entombed" is this could be this really dark strip club anthem. But like, do yeah. you th- do you think they have one that like stands above the rest? 
I mean, for sure, sex tape. I mean, I, I gotta say, like, sex tape just really obviously sound not even just through the name, but mm-hmm. it's just like it truly is sex music. I mean, fuck. I mean, that's good when White Pony has a bunch of good ones mm-hmm. too, like Passenger, obviously. But, obviously. Um, Cherry Waves is another one. Ooh, that's, that's a good one. Like, it's like hopeful, great sex. I mean, <laughs> I, I gotta say, like the Deftones are one of those bands where they're never lacking with the sex music. You no. know, like I mean, the whole the whole record, no matter what record it is, runs the gamut between every relationship sexual touch point. You know, like um, it's even yeah. like, even in honestly, even around the fur. You know, like Be Quiet and Drive is a fucking sexual song too. Like it is and. I, there's just so many different like moments. Like, I always said my friend at Lee, her name is uh, Libia on um, on Instagram, and it always fucks me up because it's a reference to the to the song. To the song, yeah, and I always thought, like, Libia, Libia, I can't ever fucking <laughs> say it anywhere. Um, but you know, like all of those songs are super sexual too. So like, I don't yeah. know. And the self-titled, like, I didn't even talk about that one, but like, there really is. There's some jams on there oh, hell too, yeah. that are very sexual too. Like and um L- Lucky You, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's a song, right? Lucky You, yeah, yeah. That's another the sexual last, song. The last song, right? The last song on the record? Um, that if you're feeling like yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a really fucking good one. So like I, I would say like in terms of sexuality and songs to make love to, like the Death Tones would definitely deliver on every single album. I will give them that. Yes. It is definitely their sweet spot. And um, I think, honestly, it's what makes them very unique because no one's fucking to a corn record. And if you are <laughs> oh, you know, you know, there are some like two juggalos just fucking. Dude, it's only people <laughs> who go to San Bernardino exclusively to get their concert experience. Oh I'm convinced the Inland yeah. Empire is where they all gather. They're like, we <laughs> fucked to corn, and if you don't fucking like it, you could leave San Bernardino right now. <laughs> they definitely have a kid the same does oh my god yeah. they have a kid named like adidas or something yeah and i don't want to hate on corn because like honestly like good for them they're still going as yeah well, but like but their shit's trash in comparison to the death Tones. like literally there is, it's it's like it's looking at gucci and it's looking at fucking carhartt right like we're looking at right. two different classes brands right yeah so i would say that but um but yeah i mean the death sounds consistently in every album there's like a sexual banger i sure. i think if you go back to it it's the i can't remember the name of it because i'm still getting acquainted with the songs but it's the second to last song on ohms that's it, to me it's probably the sexiest song they've done since probably white pony there's something about the way that wow. abe, that abe's playing and and chino's singing in this like gate and parameter that's very akin to like almost like a trap song but like it's it's slowed down the way he's singing it is so unique it's so unique and i, I i'll that song it's like track nine it's so fucking good it's so gonna, yeah good. i'll have to re-listen again yeah i know for sure i mean i love honestly a lot of speed of the process was super fucking cool too mm-hmm. like i i thought that that was a very unique project for him because palms is cool too but like all this stuff with like Crosses just had like a different kind of vibe, and I really, really enjoyed the way he like utilizes vocals with that and Team Sleep too. Team Sleep, yeah, only like another team. Fuck, we'll never get another Team Sleep record, but that that one, my god. Well, it's a classic, you know. It is. It's like it's like a and like the song King Diamond on Jesus fucking Christ. That record's so good. 
So I, this was, we could keep doing this, but like, this is, this is amazing. Zena, thank you so, so much because like, I, I, I didn't even get to like half my questions. It doesn't even matter because I love talking to you about, about this band, one, just catching up with you, but definitely talking about this band because you can tell how important this is to you. And it's not just, this was life. This is not just a band you like this, this shaped who you are. And that's exactly why I wanted you on here to talk about it. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad that my affinity for the Deftones outweighed everybody else's. <laughs> you, you did absolutely so um i will tag you know your uh, ladyish pot uh, everything you're doing with that i will tag your socials follow xena at, at xena coda on instagram and um yeah thank you so much for hanging out with me for the last hour or so of course rob you're the best thank you for doing this podcast i'm glad that you uh you're able to talk about music and you know records that we all love hell yeah all right well thank you for listening to the grossed out podcast with xena coda we'll see you soon <laughs>